Hello and welcome back to The Refugee Report. My name is Ella Grant and I will be your host today. Today we will be discussing Pakistan. Pakistan has faced a series of internal political issues, but its primary refugee-related issues stem from refugees entering the country, as opposed to fleeing it. Before beginning this episode, we would like to warn you that the following information and audio may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with a bit of background on Pakistan. Pakistan is a country in South Asia that borders India, China, Afghanistan, and Iran. It is divided into five major regions and has an arid climate, making agriculture extremely difficult until the advent of irrigation. It is roughly 60% mountainous terrain and 40% plains. The most common religion is Islam. The origins of this majority stem back to the India-Pakistan partition, which will be discussed later in the episode. Pakistan is extremely ethnically and linguistically diverse. However, Urdu and English are the two official languages of the country. The Himalayan mountains are in the northern region of Pakistan and mark both the physical and cultural divide between South and Central Asia. Pakistan's northern and western regions experience considerable seismic activity, which has been the cause of numerous humanitarian disasters over the past few decades. Since many buildings in this area are poorly constructed, these earthquakes have caused extensive damage. Most recently, a 2005 earthquake of a 7.8 magnitude killed between 80 and 90,000 people and left the area of Azad Kashmir and the northwestern frontier province devastated. It forced 600,000 people to temporarily leave their homes and live in camps while the area was reconstructed. Unfortunately, due to the poor economic state of the region, as well as lacking levels of support from the government, little progress has been made to rebuild this area, and many residents still suffer today due to the consequences of natural disasters in the distant past. Pakistan has a complex history, as it was only created as an official country in 1947. Prior to 1947, Pakistan was a region of India, which had been under British colonial rule for almost 200 years at that point. The British colonized and maintained control through a strategy known as divide and rule. The British would deliberately spark conflict and animosity between Muslims and Hindus, the two primary religious groups in India at the time, under the logic that they would be too preoccupied with internal conflict between themselves, then they would not be able to unify and revolt against their British overlords. This clearly was an extremely cruel system. Throughout the 1930s and 1940s, opposition to colonial rule was on the rise, and the economic and political burden of maintaining colonies was becoming too costly. Thus, in 1947, the British announced their withdrawal from India. It was decided that upon their withdrawal, India would be partitioned along religious lines, creating Pakistan as the Muslim state and India as the Hindu state. This transition was done in just four months, which was considerably faster than was initially planned, and the lines were drawn based on outdated census data with no regard to the social, religious, and cultural factors that would contribute to this transition. Hindus living in what is now Pakistan were forced to move to India, and Muslims living in India were forced to move to Pakistan. Here is a newsreel from the time that expresses some of the sentiments immediately following Indian independence. 600 miles away in Delhi, Independence Day was also a day of rejoicing. Tumultuous crowds filled the streets, celebrating, singing and laughing. Police were called out many times to restore order, where everyone ran wild with joy. But India's future welfare largely depends upon communal harmony. 40 million Muslims will live in India, 18 million Hindus in Pakistan. Stirred by intense religious passion, Communal strife has shed much blood. It still continues. 
can Hindus and Muslims live peacefully together? Despite the initial joy of gaining independence, this was an extremely brutal, violent, and poorly planned transition. Over 14 million people were displaced and 1 million died because of it. It was a deeply tumultuous time in Pakistani history that uprooted and even ended the lives of many citizens. This created a long-standing social and political conflict between India and Pakistan that is still evident to this day. Within a few months of drawing the border, war broke out between India and Pakistan over the northern region of Kashmir, which both sides claimed as their own. For a more comprehensive review of this issue, please refer to our recent episode on Kashmir, where Sam explains the ongoing situation there and provides a more extensive background on the historical complexities of the partition. Pakistan has seven federally administered tribal areas, or FATAs. FATAs are sovereign areas initially created to give Pashtun tribes autonomy over their own land. They encompass a region along the Pakistan-Afghanistan border and play a vital role in the complexities of the issues along this border. Although the idea of giving local ethnic and tribal groups autonomy could have worked in theory, the way it was executed and the power structure it created has had detrimental effects on both Pakistan and the FATAs. During the 1947 partition, the British put this region under the governance of the Frontier Crimes Regulation, which is an administrative framework set up by the British government. This created a system in which tribal leaders were given vast administrative responsibilities, but had little to no support from the Pakistani government. Residents of FATAs were not given the same constitutional rights as other Pakistani citizens. Although it is a part of Pakistan, the Pakistani government has almost no influence or oversight over the region. Since the government did not have legal control over this area, they were unable to use national law enforcement agencies to secure the region. Thus, violence from armed groups became prevalent in the area. It has been long overrun by the Tariq-e-Taliban Pakistan, or TTP, a Pakistani sect of the Taliban that uses the area as a safe haven given they're not subject to Pakistani laws there. Prior to the presence of the TTP, the area was already extremely impoverished. This greatly explains why the group was able to get such a foothold in northern Pakistan. Since entering the region, the group has even furthered this by banning NGOs and destroying educational institutions, ultimately entrenching the area in poverty. In May of 2018, the Pakistani government merged the area with a neighboring province in an effort to exert increased control over the area. Interviews conducted in early 2019 report that there is little to no change in the stability and safety of the area since the merger, and the Taliban remain a huge issue. A lot of this lack of improvement can be attributed to the fact that when the old legal system was abolished, new laws were put into place, but no one was appointed to enforce them. Thus, few legitimate changes were instated. Local law enforcement that is in charge has reportedly made few improvements in the treatment of other citizens compared to their predecessors, the FCR. They're known to do things such as force confessions, arrest entire families for accused crimes of one member, refuse to provide legal assistance, and mistreat citizens in jail. Listen to this local FATA citizen protesting this terrible treatment. Pashtuns have made sacrifices for the country, so we urge the military and state institutions to stop the harassment and forced disappearances. The missing, if innocent, should be released. Those guilty must be produced before the courts. Thousands of families are worried about their loved ones. 
Overall, despite numerous attempts from the Pakistani government to improve the stability of the region and exert control over it, it still remains largely unstable. The presence of the Taliban in the region proposes a threat to the surrounding areas that is extremely disruptive and detrimental to the innocent locals who live there. To this day, the fighting and instability continue and appear to have only worsened since the Taliban gained control of Afghanistan. However, there have been recent changes in political power that may lead to positive developments in the region. Over the past two decades, conflict within the FATAs, as well as the mistreatment of citizens by the Pakistani Taliban, has caused extensive internal displacement of FATA residents. Residents are forced to flee their homes and relocate to other areas of Pakistan, either to flee violence, as is in the case of the FATAs, or due to natural disasters making the areas uninhabitable. They're given little to no support as they attempt to resettle in areas in which they do not have jobs, communal, or family support, and have often lost the majority of their own possessions. Statistics from 2009 estimate that at that point there were 2.7 million internally displaced Pakistani citizens. The ongoing conflict within the FATAs has impeded both the government and third-party NGOs from providing assistance to those who have been internally displaced. Additionally, the Pakistani government has proved to be ill-equipped to deal with this crisis on both a policy and implementation level. As many of you may know, the country of Afghanistan has faced extensive disruptive conflict over the past 40 years, forcing many citizens to flee their homes and seek refuge in neighboring countries. This conflict has made the Afghan refugee crisis one of the world's largest refugee crises and has heavily impacted neighboring Pakistan, as many refugees cross the border to seek refuge within Pakistan. For more information on the Afghan refugee crisis specifically, please visit our recent episode on Afghanistan. As of November 2021, Pakistani authorities were expecting up to 700,000 refugees to come over the border from Afghanistan due to the recent takeover of the Taliban in Afghanistan. This will cost the government billions in humanitarian aid. Recent statistics indicate that the country hosts an official 1.4 million refugees already. However, experts indicate that it is likely there are hundreds of thousands more that are unaccounted for, making it one of the world's largest refugee host countries. This has posed a significant social problem to the country, as members of the public often think of them as criminals or terrorists due to the stigmatization of refugees and the false idea that Afghan refugees are connected to the Taliban. Many local and ethnic leaders have even gone as far as to urge the government to turn them away. Due to this stigmatization, Afghan refugees in Pakistan face considerable discrimination and are subject to severe limitations of their rights, creating barriers in the refugee resettlement process. They are barred from accessing education, opening bank accounts, working, buying property, and are often denied access to health care. Refugees living in camps are often subject to harassment from the Pakistani government and are known to be used as a scapegoat for political or terrorist issues within Pakistan. In recent years, the Pakistani government has repatriated many refugees back to Afghanistan. In 2016 alone, an estimated 365,000 or more refugees were forcibly returned to Afghanistan by the Pakistani government. Refugees cannot safely return to Afghanistan as they will be targeted by the Taliban. Human rights groups say that Afghan settlements in Pakistan are often raided by law enforcement. In these raids, refugees, primarily young men, are detained or beaten. The pervasive idea that refugees are connected to terrorist organizations and should be punished is based on an overwhelming lack of legitimate information, yet it still poses a huge issue for refugees. Listen to this clip from an interview with an Afghan refugee living in Pakistan.
यहाँ भी मुश्किल वहाँ भी वी है प्रॉब्लम इन बोध पाकिस्तान एंड अफगानिस्तान इन डिफरेंट वेज हेयर द पुलिस अफगानिस्तान is not good either there are daesh taliban and other terrorists there who keep bombing and killing people what can we do we cannot live there here we have to give the police a few dollars to get by but at least there is no threat to our lives refugees coming from afghanistan are fleeing brutal violence the taliban is responsible for However, this also poses the issue of members of the Taliban fleeing across the border to Pakistan and causing issues within the country. Pakistani intelligence supports the claim that Taliban members and their leaders live openly within Pakistan. As mentioned above, the activity of the Pakistani Taliban has had widespread detrimental effects throughout the country. The connections between the Pakistani and Afghan Taliban have been a main source of discrimination and suspicion directed at refugees, as many fear the Taliban members will enter the country under the guise of being a refugee. Before ending this episode, we'd like to recommend a charitable organization helping refugees from the region. This week, we are recommending the Malala Fund. Malala Yousafzai is a Pakistani refugee who grew up in the Swat Valley. As a child, her village was overtaken by the Pakistani Taliban. She saw firsthand the devastation they caused. After speaking out against their rule, she was shot in the head by a Taliban member. When she recovered from this incident, she used it as an opportunity to speak out against the Taliban and became a globally renowned refugee activist. Today, her foundation advocates for women's rights and access to education all over the world. They address barriers to education that women face and work towards ensuring girls have access to 12 years of free, safe, and quality education. Their link will be in the description. Although we do recommend this charity, it is important to do your own research before spending your money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media at Wartime Aid. Join us next time for a special series hosted by Sam. He'll be interviewing Joni Shrim, an author who has chronicled her father's flight from Europe during the Holocaust. As always, thank you for listening.